Welcome back to yet another coronavirus COVID-19 video. It's becoming clearer and clearer now that this coronavirus spreads not just through contact and respiratory droplets that fly through the air like ballistics, but also it's being transmitted through the airborne route, meaning through aerosol. So meaning the virus lingers in the air and then someone comes and inhales that virus into their lungs. Let's face it, there is a reason why hospitals with designated COVID areas require everyone to wear a N95 respirator mask, as well as eye goggles. That's because we know that this virus has the potential for airborne transmission. Previously, the WHO said that this virus only spreads through contact and respiratory droplets and doesn't spread by the airborne route, unless it was related to aerosol generating procedures like with an intubation or a bronchoscopy, or when someone is using a CPAP mask or a BiPAP mask. It actually wasn't until July 9th that they formally recognized that it could be transmitted indoors by means of aerosol, or at least they said that they can't rule out this possibility. They finally admitted this after hundreds of experts had called on them to do so. And look, it's not like the WHO hasn't made blunders before. On February 25th, I made a video saying that this is a pandemic and explaining why that is. But for today's video, I want to start out by saying yes, unfortunately, COVID-19 is now a pandemic, even though it's not official, but it wasn't officially declared a pandemic by the WHO until March 11th. I don't know why it took them so long. Then there was the whole blunder of them saying there isn't asymptomatic spread, which we already know that it does spread asymptomatically for like two months at that point. And then the next day they actually self-corrected. So why until recently have they not acknowledged airborne transmission? Two main reasons. One, because there is still no definitive evidence that proves airborne transmission. Of course, it's always nice to be sure about something before making a public statement, but sometimes you have to take action and implement safety precautions without having definitive proof. The second main reason is that declaring airborne transmission has big, big implications. You already see how bad things are with masks and social distancing and the debate over reopening schools and such. Well, if this virus spreads by the aerosol route, before I get into that, let's actually start out by defining what airborne transmission really is, because most people don't actually know what it really means. Let's rewind to February 11th when I posted this video explaining airborne transmission. Then there's airborne precautions. Some lung infections and some throat infections spread when small viral or bacterial particles stay suspended in the air and can be inhaled by other people. The 2019 novel coronavirus is believed to fall into this category. This category also includes other viruses like the SARS virus, measles, chickenpox, and tuberculosis, which is actually a bacteria. And then this study came about, and I made a video about it on March 18th. And there's now a new non-peer-reviewed study that just came out by NIH that shows the virus remains in aerosol, meaning in the air, for up to three hours. Now, at this point, we don't know how much of a viral load in that aerosol you need to inhale in order to come down with the infection. So that is still an unknown at this point. So just because it remains aerosolized for up to three hours, that does not necessarily prove that it's an airborne transmission, but I would think that's the case. More studies are needed to prove this one way or another. But let's get more into the nitty gritty of aerosol transmission. During normal breathing and speech, Tiny particles are emitted mainly from the mouth. These particles can range in size with the smallest being less than a micron and the biggest being over 500 microns in diameter. 
Now to put some perspective on that, the average diameter of a human hair is about 80 microns. Typically droplets that are less than five microns are considered small, and it's these small droplets that can be suspended in the air. Droplets that are over 100 microns are considered large, and droplets that are between five and 100 microns are intermediate. But the reality is it's a range of sizes. It's a continuum, it's a spectrum, from less than one micron to over 500 microns. And more and more particles are emitted when someone is breathing heavier, such as with exercise, or if someone is coughing or sneezing, or if someone is shouting or singing. Due to gravitational forces, particles that are bigger than five microns tend to settle, meaning fall down on surfaces such as the floor. And they fall fairly close to the source, typically within six feet. This is why the CDC recommends six feet for social distancing. But here's the thing. Sometimes these larger particles travel farther than that, especially if someone is breathing heavy or shouting or singing or coughing or sneezing. Typically, they fly no further than 12 feet in these situations. But we're also spraying particles that are smaller than five microns. And this is why these tiny particles, they don't act like ballistics. They act more like a gas cloud where they float in the air and travel up to 27 feet. The ones that are less than one micron evaporate within milliseconds of hitting the air, while the particles that are more than 100 microns can take up to a minute to evaporate. So what happens when the droplets that are less than five microns, what if they're spewed from someone who is infected with the virus and all of a sudden in midair, they evaporate? Well, they dry out and you're left with a virus that is floating in the air. These are called droplet nuclei, AKA aerosols. There are lots of factors that determine how long aerosols remain in the air. Just like there are a lot of factors that determine how long a fart will stink up a room. It depends on the person who emitted the particles, how they emitted them, the temperature and humidity of the environment. Now let's take a look at what happens when someone sneezes. This was published in the JAMA article and they took a super slow motion video of a healthy person sneezing. You can see the varying degrees of droplet sizes. The larger ones fall to the floor like ballistics, but the tiny ones remain airborne in this wet cloud, if you will. Not only does this wet cloud help keep the virus viable for a longer duration, but this cloud can travel about 23 to 27 feet, depending on the conditions. Lack of airflow means that this cloud will persist longer. And when this moist cloud finally does dissipate, you're still gonna have droplet nuclei that stay airborne for about three hours based on that NIH study. A lot depends on the airflow of that environment. This is the reason why scientists in China actually found the SARS coronavirus 2 viral particles in the ventilation systems of hospitals that had COVID patients in it. Now, proving that airborne transmission exists is actually harder than one may think. The best way to prove it from a scientific standpoint would be to line up a bunch of people in a room who have COVID, okay, and then you line up a bunch of other people who don't have COVID, keep them 20 feet apart from each other, and then let them stay there for several hours and see who gets COVID. Obviously, from an ethical standpoint, this is what we call up. But what we can do is look back at real life situations that sort of mimic this scenario. Like, for example, what happened in this Chinese restaurant. In this study, they reviewed video footage after they realized that three different parties ended up being positive for coronavirus. What they realized was that there was no evidence of direct or indirect contact between the three parties who ended up getting the virus. Their results effectively showed that the infection distribution was consistent with airborne transmission. 
and they even recreated this scenario using a warm tracer gas and computers to simulate the spread of exhaled droplets from the index person, meaning the person who was spreading it to other people. And when they did the simulation, they were able to recreate that scenario. And then there was this. In a semi-rural area in the state of Washington, 60 singers convened for choir practice. Mind you, this area of Washington was not a hot spot. They didn't have any known cases at the time in this area. All of the singers were feeling fine, they were in good health that day, and supposedly no one was known to be coughing or sneezing. Hand sanitizers were provided, they took measures to socially distance, presumably six feet, and they avoided hugs and handshakes and proceeded to belt out the high notes. Now, on to the sad part. Within three weeks of this event, 45 out of the 60 were diagnosed with COVID and two ended up dying. So what was the conclusion? It was that most likely this spread was due to aerosolization. And recently, three passengers on a Delta flight came down with the virus, although we don't know the details and this doesn't necessarily prove or disprove airborne transmission. So at this point, we might not have 100% conclusive evidence that proves airborne transmission, but there are now several studies that strongly suggest that to be the case. It's just like in a murder trial, if you have enough circumstantial evidence, you can still paint enough of a picture to get a conviction without necessarily having a bloody fingerprint. Now, just because we know that this virus spreads through the airborne route, that's not to say it doesn't spread through contact and respiratory droplets, meaning bigger droplets that act like ballistics. It spreads by all three of these mechanisms. So hand washing is still important, as is not touching your face or mask with dirty hands, and maintaining six feet apart is a good thing, but it's not good enough for certain situations. The Ridge Wallet for real is my type of wallet. Once you get used to a wallet like this, the old like folding leather normal wallets of the past just kind of look and feel ancient. It's Remember earlier how I said when someone sneezes, that moist cloud containing aerosols can travel up to 27 feet and the virus can linger in the air for three hours? Well, what good is six feet going to do you in that situation? It's better than no distancing, but it's not good enough. Now, some rooms have adequate ventilation that supply clean outdoor air and minimizes recirculated air. The better the ventilation, the less likely the spread of aerosols. And even cracking open a window can make a huge difference, and having a fan blowing is a good thing too. And generally speaking, opening doors is a good thing. Other measures can help too, like having an air purifier with high efficiency air filtration and germicidal UV lights. And by the way, if you're looking to buy an air purifier, I recommend to go get one that has a filter that can filter out particles of less than 0.5 microns like this one here, which is one that I'm actually about to get. It's called Levote or Levo, I don't know how to pronounce that. But anyway, it's an air purifier and this bad boy can fish out particles as small as 0.3 microns. And I'll leave a link to this in the description below. So when you're outdoors or indoors with good ventilation, the virus is much less likely to spread via the aerosol route, especially if you're at a minimum six feet apart and there isn't overcrowding. And especially if everyone's wearing a mask. Now let's talk more about masks. I wanna show you this very impressive study that was published June 30th. Now in this study, they set up a dummy and created simulations of coughing, first without masks, and then with different types of masks or face coverings, if you will. They used tracers to visualize the cough in the cloud that forms as a result of the cough. 
It showed that the cough expelled the gas up to 12 feet in a span of 50 seconds. After that, they covered the dummy's face with different types of face coverings. So without a face covering, the average jet distance was eight feet and the maximum was 12 feet. With a bandana made out of elastic t-shirt material, the average distance went down to about three and a half feet. With a folded handkerchief that was made out of cotton, it was about one foot, three inches. And with a stitched mask that was made out of quilted cotton, it was about two and a half inches. And with a commercial mask, specifically a CVS cone face mask, it was eight inches. And with this medical mask or surgical mask, you could assume it's gonna be about eight inches. Now, mind you, in this study, the tests assume that the mask is properly worn and not saturated with water or sweat, which can affect the distance of the jet propulsion. So these types of masks are good at helping to mitigate the spread of the virus to other people. Are they perfect at doing so? Absolutely not, but they do make a big difference. What they don't do is prevent you from inhaling the virus because where there's openings, that's where the air gets sucked in and that's where you can inhale it. But if you have an N95 respirator mask or an elastomeric respirator, then your chances of inhaling that virus go down dramatically. N95 respirators are tight fitting and filter out at least 95% of airborne particles as small as 0.3 microns. An elastomeric respirator is a reusable device with exchangeable cartridge filters. So like an N95 respirator, it also filters out at least 95% of airborne particles as small as 0.3 microns. It fits tight against the user's face, but it is more comfortable than an N95. Before reusing the mask, all of its surfaces do have to be wiped down with a disinfectant. So although both of these are not perfect, they are very effective at preventing inhalation of the virus. But there are a couple of issues with the N95. For one, they're hard to come by because they're being reserved for healthcare workers. And actually, Amazon won't even sell them right now. They're also uncomfortable. And as you could probably tell, your voice gets muffled and it can sort of hinder your breathing or make you feel smothered. Also, they have to be properly fit on your face. And in order to do so, that means you can't have facial hair in this region. The CDC actually has a diagram of what facial hairstyles are compatible with the proper mask fit. I recommend not going with the toothbrush. In case you're wondering, I'm not even allowed to have this. So when I go back to work, I gotta shave all this in order for me to have a properly fit N95. But wearing one of these N95 masks for long is not practical for most situations for the reasons I just mentioned. With that said, I do wish that there wasn't a limited supply because lots of people would benefit from wearing one in certain situations. Like for example, whenever people are in an enclosed space like elevators, small rooms, and airplanes. And I do want to talk about flying on an airplane because there's actually a lot to say about that. There are pros and cons to both flying versus driving when it comes to preventing getting COVID. I'm dedicating a whole video to that, so don't forget to subscribe and hit that bell notification if you haven't done so already. But getting back to elastomeric respirators, should you buy one of these? I would say it depends. If you're worried about getting the virus, especially if you're in situations that have a high risk of airborne transmission, then I'd say yeah. So if you have to fly in an airplane, which I might actually be flying pretty soon, but what I plan on doing is wearing my N95 mask along with my motorcycle glasses. And with the N95, the chances of me inhaling the virus are pretty slim. If you don't have an N95, then the elastomeric respirator might be an option for you. If I were to buy one, I'd probably go with this one, the 3M7503. 
large silicone ultimate 7500 series as it gets great reviews and i'll put a link to it in the description below and just like bane you can minimize your chances of inhaling the virus and other viruses as well powerful agents to the uninitiated but we are initiated and if you want decent looking goggles or glasses to prevent the virus from getting into your eyes you can get these they have you covered in the front and the sides too they also come in the form of sunglasses and they're pretty cheap on amazon so i'll put a link to those in the description below yeah so let's summarize if you really want to maximize your protection from this virus there are things that you can do and i'm not saying all of these things are practical i'm just saying that this is what you can do for maximum protection the first thing avoid people not always possible but the further away the better six feet is better than nothing but still not great 12 feet means you're not going to get any of those droplets sprayed into your mouth and nose in that ballistic form but 12 feet is still not enough to prevent airborne transmission so for that you really need 27 feet or so and that's going to depend on various factors all right the second thing is if you're unable to avoid people and in a situation where airborne transmission is possible wear protective eyewear and either an n95 or elastomeric respirator the third thing is if you're around people better to be outdoors if you're indoors or around others try to open doors and windows consider having a fan for better circulation hopefully there's good ventilation in that room and you can also consider getting an air purifier with hepa filter for that room okay and the fourth and final thing is if you don't have a respirator mask a surgical mask or a medical mask mainly helps to prevent you from spreading that virus to someone else however it does offer some protection from respiratory ballistics being sprayed into your mouth and nostrils but this won't prevent you from inhaling the virus if it's in the air around you this window is not working no, I, I locked them so we can get a good clam bake going on in here. So I'm going to wrap this one up, but my next one's going to be dedicated towards travel, airplane versus car ride, pros and cons. So definitely check that out. All right, you guys. Good morning. This is Dr. D, and the doctor need a doctor ball right now. <laughs> um, just some update news on the coronavirus and how you can protect yourself because this virus is not going away. Uh, it's not going away soon, y'all. It's going to be with us just like the flu and other seasonal viruses that goes around so the best thing that all of us can do is work together and when you're out in the public make sure you have your mask you wash you cover yourself uh, don't be closest i went to the store uh, another day and uh, i see people they just gather all on top of each other, like when you're in the line, you got to turn back and like, excuse me, six feet, you know, and it's, you know, it's, I don't know. Um, still some people, I don't believe that they taking this virus seriously. Altogether, I have uh, lost, I think, uh, five 
surprise people from this disease that was within the the family, like cousins, uh, mother-in-laws, my daughter's husband, mom, my then my other daughter, her her friend, dad passed from COVID. Then the mom got it, and uh, I think the whole house have it now. And uh, and they were, they stayed inside, from what I was told. And it was somebody that came into the house, so you got to even watch that. Um, um, thank God the movers when they came, they had their masks on. I just they had to use the restroom. It was kind of like, uh, I really didn't want no traffic. But I'm like, okay, my house is blessed. It has the blood of Jesus. And any germ disease got to die instantly when they come into this house. <laughs> so I, I was just, you know, I was just uh, a little relaxed. I didn't get all crazy. Um, so with that said, you guys just take care of yourself. And I will tune in to, with you guys later. God bless. Guys, I, I I just what y'all doing out there? What's going on? I'm telling you, my God, I'm sitting here. It's a midday, and uh, I'm just going over some stuff, and I'm like, my God, this is so much stuff just happening within a week, and I see I had did a recording in um on um, Monday, and I thought I posted and it's not, and today is Friday. It's just unbelievable how fast these days are going by. But in the midst of these days, I have really been um, um, really pushing myself. Uh, off and on, my body just go through some strange things, and the past couple of days, um, still like, um, Overcoming, I guess I could say overcoming, but uh, getting used to the realization that my uh, mom is not here any longer in the land of living, Um, but she's in the land of the afterlife. (laughs) And so with that, and other matters that have come forth, that I've really been pressing through and I've been having a lot of memories coming up through uh, Facebook and I'm like, oh wow. And just to think where I was back then, those years, uh, I was really, really, I don't even see how I accomplished so much in those past years, and when I think about it, you guys, I was really, really like in a um, die straight situation. Um, in a natural, man, I should have been homeless on the street. But when I think about it, 
was like, wow, I overcome the Hurricane Harvey, living in the shelter, and then it was challenging to find a decent place to move that I can afford by myself. And in the midst of all of that, I was uh, looking back how even with that, I was maintaining my two businesses and working two jobs. And just me sitting here right now, I'm thinking about it and I'm like, I'm getting a headache. Like, Danielle, how in the world did you do this? And it it just amazes me now that uh, I'm I'm really the fight of my life. When when you feel that you in your darkest moment, and the you think about you think about wow the sacrifices that you made because my choice I mean no nobody didn't really. Uh, forced me to make the sacrifices but you in life you do things to be supported to others I can say as a sacrifice to show them hey you got somebody in your corner because they always saying nobody's not there for them they don't have no support they're trying to do this for God and ABCDFG we just want to bless the people and when you sit there and it's like wow i i i i I did a lot of stuff for a lot of people in their vision and when i look at my own personal status and my own financial status it's like wow i really sacrificed and i can't say you guys you have to really think Sit down and really think and do a reality check on yourself. Because, like, some people say, well, I didn't know you was going through all that. You didn't have to do so-and-so. Well, if you're talking with, to somebody, if you talk, if you're supposed to have a friendship with somebody, right? Male or female, you know? And if you always calling this person and you know, first of all, you know this person is homeless. You know this person is still doing marketing. This person is still supporting you. You know, in the midst of what they're going through, they're not even living in their own distress. They they thinking way high, and that's how I was. Nobody never knew until, like, this past year what I really was going through because that's when I really started talking about it. You know, even though... Yeah, the last episode, my prayer alone came on. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for this midday hour that you have looked down upon. Not only me, but individuals in this world. And you have shown your mercy and your grace on your behalf because you say you love us so much that whosoever will, let them come unto you. And so at this hour, I come unto you, Father, saying thank you. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for new understanding, a new way of living, a new way of speaking, and, and just a new way of acknowledging that you are Lord of Lord and King of Kings in the midst of this coronavirus, in the midst of the confusion in the White House, in the midst of the confusion with China and U.S., in the midst of the confusion with the politicians and this crazy, this, this political thing that's going on that at 
the top of it, they're going back and forth and not understanding at the bottom, midway, it's like you dealing with people lives. And so people in the name of Jesus, Father, the people that are literally enduring uh, these difficulties and, and the uproot and the businesses that are, are just being um, shut down and they're striving to maintain in the name of Jesus. Father, just touch, touch, touch those that call upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. And so that's, I just want to share that little prayer because that's what that was. And it's, we getting the brunt of this storm, you guys. And I'm telling you, I'm looking out my patio door. And, um, boy, I have these bamboo, um, the bamboos that's, that's lining my porch. And, oh, my Lord, <laughs> the wind is just moving it back and forth, back and forth. But as I was speaking before, it's it's that um wait, hold on. coming and I bought some uh I'm a, I'm gonna finish what I was sharing with you guys on the last episode uh, it was just that I was saying how you sacrificed to to really you're expressing love to individuals you know with no uh hidden agendas and you come up front you know it's like I'm gonna be there and I'm gonna support and help you but in return we have to make sure that we are complimenting each other's vision and that's the only reason that I know that I um, participated and and assisted with individuals with their vision and ministry and business because of that one thing but what 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 has happened what has happened that I Dr. D had to really uh, reevaluate uh, how I just maneuver things now because at the end of it all, you guys, and you can like think about it on your own terms too and really reevaluate yourself. And it's like at the end of the day, who 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 is your last phone call to really check and see how you doing? Are you okay? In the midst of all of this, out of all the people that I have helped, you know, and I'm not talking about the ones that I know that that know of me. And that's on one hand, like three, three people, three to four people, I can say. All right. So I'm not even talking to you guys who listen to my broadcast. We, y'all know we cool. Okay. So we cool. So this is not for you. But I'm talking about the individuals that all listen to my 
my my program, my broadcast on a slick because I know some on a slick listen to it just to see what I'm saying or doing or whatever. But even in the midst of that, we have all my my phone numbers and connections, and not one of these individuals that I know of that literally called to. They call. They call to make sure. Oh, I need to get my taxes done, or I need my 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 book done, or I need I need information on this, and can we meet about this? And I'm just like, no, I'm just not mentally capable right now to even even correspond to you because when I listen to the message or listen to the 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 response or the email reply or the text. Wow, it's like, do you need anything? I'm so sorry I heard that your mom passed. And I know you've been sick. Are you okay? Do you need anything? Or do you need help anything? Y'all, I have not gotten none of that. None of it. And, And so it had put me in a certain place. It made me feel a certain kind of way. And I was like, wow. Especially two individuals that I that I know I had dedicated myself to their vision, to it's prospering now. Oh, yeah, it's rolling. It is prospering. And I know this person, these two people, know for a fact that my mom had passed because I know they know somebody that know of me, that I have done work for them and prepared and completed their tax information. And I know they know them. And I know they got my number. And if you don't have my personal number, I know you you got my business number or whatever. You didn't have to even talk to me. You could have just said, you know what? Hey, I it was hey, whatever, whatever. I just wanna call and say, I'm sorry to hear about your mom's, you know. Can 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 the ministry do something for you? Can the radio station do something for you? Y'all not once. You hear me? Not once. So that just shows you the the mentality and the hatefulness and the selfishness and the narcissistness of individuals that come and suck you dry out of your life to use up all your resources, your influence. You see what I'm saying? Your input, just to get them to a certain level. And then... Oh, and don't forget, I had I had three different individuals that was my customers because they couldn't get in touch with me for a certain amount of time. Matter of fact, it was the the preparation week of my mom. We, you know, once we was back and forth when she we found out she was in the hospital, and then we had to go back, okay, to start preparing, right, to lay her to rest. So it was like within that whole, the whole month of June was gone for me. I, I just, it was just like, wow. Okay. So just trying to get back in, in some stuff. And I know I'd still miss some customers because it's just so much that I was able to do. But I'm just saying all this, you guys, it's like, you really have to take care of yourself. Because see, I'm, I know I'm still fighting for my life. I'm fighting for my health, you know, and, um. I have good days and I have bad days. Yesterday was a bad day. And um, 
So I do what I can. I, I have everything I need in here. I don't need nothing. Now. I'm not saying somebody, trust me, God has blessed me where, you know, I can get up and go. What I can go in my refrigerator. I can go and I got me a pantry now, y'all. Ain't that something? I got me a pantry. So the only thing that I need to do is my daughter called me, say, okay, my next week we're going early because we go early when they first start, when the first, when the doors of the store first open, we get there in the morning and she takes me. So whatever I need to do or get during that time, I'm, hey, we up seven o'clock, we out the door. When we go in the stores, Babe, I'm telling y'all, y'all better get up early in the morning and go to the stores because they're just stacking up. And believe me, when we went there today, this morning, when we went there this morning, you guys, the shelves was empty. They were stacking up, but it was like, and I, they had this lady, I'm, I'm doing a rabbit trail right quick. They had the Lysol disinfected. They didn't have the spray. But they, you could tell they had just put their Lysol out, right? And they had like six left. And I said, oh, my God, you know you only could get like two, right? So I got two. And I told my daughter, and so she went and got two. And so we got the other kind, too. Every Lysol they had, we, we grabbed it, right? So by the time we went back to the car, and I said, Z, they got four more boxes. They got four more things left. We need to go get two more. You know, she said, I was thinking about the same thing. I said, come on, let's go. So we hurried, went back in the store, right? And the lady thought that we had took a basket from outside. And she stopped us, right? And said, oh, let me spray your basket and wipe it down. I said, oh, no, man, I just had this. We just went back and came. Oh, okay, okay. I said, we just coming back in the store, you know. And so we got that. And they had this lady. I don't know if she was Asian or whatever, but we saw her at the on the side. Because, you know, you got the six feet distancing, right? So we seen her, and I know she was watching us. And I left her. I left her. I left her one. <laughs> I left her one. And, you know, I wasn't going to do that. But sorry, first come, first serve. And because uh, we've been looking everywhere. And, and I'm still looking for that. The lights all concentrate in the brown bottle. I always keep up with that. Like my daughter said, Mom, you used to always. I said, I know. But when this, remember, your mama was struggling, man. When this, the beginning of this year, when this hit, man, y'all, I was struggling. I was struggling. So I really didn't have the resources to get the stuff, right? Cause I used to stack up on that brown bottle. I used, cause I take that brown, that the Lysol, the concentrate. You could take a cap of that. It'll kill whatever you need to kill. Put a, a cap of that in your in your water when you wash your clothes. And it's it's gonna. I mean, Lysol and Clorox, sorry, all the other stuff that's coming out. Hey, hats off to you. I'm not gonna try to knock them down, but hey. When I see Clorox and Lysol on the on the on the shelf, I'm grabbing it. And so that's how that's how I've been rolling. And um, yeah, I was dragging this morning. I was, and I still like a little. Uh, I I was doing a lot of online courses, and um, I think because I was in the way I was sitting, in the way I had my hand, I didn't went activated that corporal tunnel. And that's bothering now. So I told my daughter, I said, oh, man, I, I couldn't even open up the bottle of water. Just a little bottle of water to drink. I couldn't even squeeze the top because my hands were so weak. But I know I was rambling, but that just that just what's been going on. And um, 
And so now I'm in a I'm in a better place. Mentally I'm in a better place and I understand. And I'm seeing like wow, who's who? You know, you gotta really check out during this whole COVID time. You you really get to see a who's who, you know? Who's who? And um <laughs> and then you just gotta leave it like that and if people don't understand and you try to work with individuals and then they come at you on the sideway and it's like hold up wait wait I, I know I didn't say that or I know I didn't do that you know it's like I have I have I'm focused but it's my time is very precious now for me my time is very precious so when I schedule something on my time I'm, I'm willing to get that time and I can't overload my time like I used to and that's why I was saying when I was saw my memories on my Facebook, and I just shook my head and I'm like, "Daniel, how in the world you did all that, girl? You was gone. I was gone. I guess because I couldn't just keep still, knowing what I was facing, what I was dealing with during that time, you know. And now I have this time where I can, I can, I can just, just chill, you know. I get out and I go do my walking, which I need to do more of that." Uh, I got to do it early in the morning. Because uh, that sun be kicking out there, y'all. I don't know about y'all, but out here, that sun been rolling. And the heat is nothing nice. And so, I just want to encourage people, you know, encourage y'all. Kind of, you know, take a health check on yourself. You know? And uh, I, I have to speak it out. I'm, I'm, I, I am making the changes and and it's something with that computer, man. When I get on the computer now, it's like, I don't know. It just something happens, and then I got to get off it. I just, I don't know. I got to get my myself straight because some stuff's setting up now that I have to transition. And um, I might have to get a better seat for my um, my chair. But I'm going to let you guys go. I'm going to go and get me some juice. I'm going to need some orange juice. It's still early, but it just tripped me out when <laughs> I came on here and I said, oh, my gosh, I did a, a broadcast since Monday. And then I seen I never posted a thing. Oh, my goodness. Got so much stuff going on out here, you guys. I was reading something else. So I, I'm going I'm to I'm I'm have to, uh, I got to poke myself and talk to myself. And, um. Because I know some of this information that I'm seeing, I know half of y'all don't even know half the stuff that's going on out here. You know, you're just going by what you're seeing on the news. But, man, they got a lot of other stuff that's behind the scenes happening in other countries, other cities, other states. And whatever state you're in, that local news is only going to have what's going on that they feel they is the people who's in control of the news media that they want the public to keep hearing, you know, and everything is COVID, COVID is the highlight of every broadcast. So they want to keep that mind control thing, mechanism going on with people to project that fear. Don't, don't be, be protective. Yeah. We got the Lysol's and stuff. Cause I know it's, it's good. Be protective and be cautious, but don't, Operate out of fear. Operate out of faith with wisdom and understanding. Knowing that God 
is leading you and and gonna continue to lead you and be with you. All right, all right. So I think that's enough for me to share today. And um, I was just thinking about that yesterday evening. I just was like shaking my head. I'm like, wow, you know, you 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 really see how if how how much you impact someone else's life to make sure that they are continue on with hope. And you sow that. And the word of God tells us we have to sow to reap. So everything that I have sown, I know I'm an expected tsunami size coming back to me. And I have to look to God to make that happen. And not to look to others to return it. Because when we lose focus and put our eyes on the arm of flesh, man or woman, when, when that person that's in the flesh, we start depending more on them. Even to the friendship part, husband, wife, and everything else that ain't nice. <laughs> we put our hope in that. And then when that falls... When we turn around and look up, who are we looking back up to? God Almighty. You know, the one who created the, the heavens and the heavens, the universe. He created everything. He created all of us. And so if we keep our minds on him, and that's what I'm keeping my eyes and my my heart locked onto him more and more and more. More than what I thought I had myself locked up into. Because see, right now, that's the only thing that's keeping me, sustaining me, comforting me, teaching me, you know, protecting me, providing for me. Oh, my God. Lord have mercy. If I had to depend on the system and the government and Lord have mercy, they thought they gave you the $1,200 stimulus check. They really thought they gave people a million dollars. And they're fussing about giving another round Almost two months now, it's going on August, and they're still debating about releasing that. Ain't that something they got people out here struggling? And Lord have mercy, thank you, Jesus, that my hope is in Him. My hope is in God, and I just thank, I just thank Him. I want you to take time out to thank God for wherever you at right now, and whatever you find something to thank God for, even just by having ears to hear me speak. You have eyes to see. You have abilities in your legs and your body to go to the facility. Some of you, you might have to go in pain, but you win anyway. <laughs> thank God. Oh, my gosh. When I think of the goodness and all that he has done for Danielle, oh, my soul leaps. My spirit Praise and worship him. The highest praise. I just say hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I don't complain. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not complaining anymore. Mm-mm. Even when my back's to the wall, when they put the thing on the door, I just look at it. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. Okay, Father, here you go. <laughs> this on you. You told me to trust in you, so this on you. And don't you know, it may seem like I'm about to fall over on her ass, but he comes through all the time. All right? Okay, you guys. Y'all be blessed. Enjoy this day. This is a Friday.
you know, go take a walk outside, breathe in some fresh air, you know, come close to anybody, get on the other side, keep your mask with you just in case, just protect yourself, okay, and know that our God going to make a way for all of us, you just got to trust in him, he going to make a way, this ain't going away now, it's not going away, this is a whole nother lifestyle for us. But he will make a way in the midst of this. All right. God bless you. Much love to all of you. Later. last night. Some places saw up to a foot of rain there. More than 100,000 people are currently without power. And it's all made much worse by another crisis. Towns in the path of that storm are battling a rise in COVID cases. President Trump today declaring an emergency there, ordering federal assistance as we begin what is already a very active hurricane season. Sam Brock has our report. In Texas, the season's first hurricane, leaving flooding and fear in its wake as Texans cope with the coronavirus crisis. We noticed that the whole walkway to the pier was like gone. Hope rescues by night and realizations by day of a rocky road ahead for storm victims and first responders getting people to shelters. Your whole intake uh, system changes. In the past, you could just file people in a singular line and have them come through and process them, process them. Now you have to take a medical evaluation, temperature check. Across the state, cases and death tolls mounting. As Houston's mayor announced more COVID deaths in July in that city than the previous four months combined. At the same time, some Lone Star State bars opening in defiance of the governor's orders. Don't get me wrong, we are ticked off bar owners, but... Well, that's not what we're trying to show. We're trying to show that we can open up safely and operate. Another state struggling with widespread transmission, Florida, now second in the country in total cases leaping past New York with more than 420,000. COVID still spreading rapidly as families uncover brand new fears. As a parent, is this your worst nightmare? Absolutely. It's devastating. Um... My stomach dropped when I heard the news. Desmond Silva just graduated nursing school and moved to Florida for his dream job on the front lines. After contracting COVID and the flu in May, he self-quarantined and recovered until Thursday when his mother says... He was perfectly fine. After dinner, um, he started complaining that he had um, back pain, um, neck pain, and the back of his head was kind of like throbbing. Once they got him into the emergency room, you know, eight minutes later, that's when the nightmare began. Silva now paralyzed from the neck down, oh. though stable, his mom says, due to COVID complications. And yeah. in California, the state leading the U.S. in infections, several straight days of record fatalities, and the first L.A. County firefighters succumbing to COVID. 
In nearby Newport Beach, 10 firefighters and 11 lifeguards tested positive, officials attributing to community spread. And across the country on the Jersey Shore, more than 20 lifeguards contracted the virus after attending social gatherings. And Sam's with us now. Sam, it's not just the hurricane that hit Texas. There's actually another hurricane threatening the U.S. That's right, Kate. Hurricane Douglas, still a Category 1, bearing down right now from the east on the Hawaiian Islands. They are setting up emergency shelters, but staffing and spacing an issue with COVID. And over my shoulder, the Atlantic Ocean here, there is a disturbance right now with a 90% chance, Kate, of becoming at least a tropical depression in the next five days. So both coasts. Kate? Yeah. As we said, an active season already. Sam, thank you. A powerful day of remembrance today in Alabama. The casket carrying civil rights legend John Lewis was taken to the site of his most famous stand more than 50 years ago. For the final time, he crossed the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Blaine Alexander was there. One final journey through Selma, Alabama. Thank you for accompanying John to Selma one last time. Lead me on. It's only fitting for Congressman John Lewis that this be part of his homegoing. Selma, the city he helped thrust into the national conscience. He and so many others beaten to the ground on the Edmund Pettus Bridge as they marched for the right to vote. Over the years, he came back repeatedly to mark the anniversary of Bloody Sunday, most recently in March as he battled cancer. Cheyenne Webb Kreisberg was on the bridge with him. She was just eight years old. And as I looked down, I could see hundreds of policemen with tear gas masks, hundreds of state troopers on horses, the dogs, and the roof. Today, for Lewis, a hero's farewell from the next generation of leaders here because of him. I strongly believe I would have never been elected to office in this day and age. So they opened up a door that has not been closed. And from hundreds more who never met the congressman but say he touched their lives. And so, with all of them watching, just as he did 55 years ago, carried in a horse-drawn caisson, John Lewis ascended the Edmund Pettus Bridge one final time. His family walking behind him in the same place where Alabama state troopers nearly ended his life. Today, they stand in salute. His words spoken years ago. We're tired of seeing our people locked up in jail over and over again. And then you holler, be patient. How long can we be patient? For many, still echoing today. He's left me richly with the importance of having courage, standing up for what's right. Can't you hear him? Never give up. Never give in. Keep the faith. Keep your eyes on the prize. For John and our nation, let's make him proud. And Blaine is with us in Montgomery, where the congressman is lying in state. He'll be honored in two different ways tomorrow in Washington, D.C. Blaine? That's right, Kate. He's going to lie in state at the U.S. Capitol tomorrow. And also tomorrow, Congressman Jim Clyburn, a longtime colleague and friend of Congressman Lewis, says that he plans to introduce the John R. Lewis Voting Rights Act of 2020 on the House floor. Kate. Blaine, thank you. And NBC News will cover that ceremony in D.C. live tomorrow.
At protests across the country this weekend, we've seen some of the worst violence yet. Gunmen opened fire in two different states. One person was killed. Gotti Schwartz is tracking it all. In Austin, Texas, a protest and then gunfire. People run for cover. Police say a protester with a rifle was shot and killed by a man in a car driving through a crowd. Suspect was detained and is cooperating with officers. In Aurora, Colorado, this SUV driving down an interstate towards protesters was fired at by someone in the crowd. Investigators say another protester was struck as well. Over the weekend, a total of five people shot at protests across the country, while up and down the West Coast, thousands showing solidarity with demonstrators in Portland. There are protesters armed with leaf blowers to push back tear gas and mothers forming protective ranks have clashed with the federal police force accused of being too heavy-handed. We're not just, I'm here for a game, it's not a joke, it's, it's real, we're going to get a police reform. But Oregon's U.S. attorney says those officers won't back down until the violence stops. The Portland mayor, tear gassed himself by federal authorities, insists the agents are only escalating tensions. The president now promising to send more federal agents to other cities. In Seattle, at least 45 arrested as the local police once again declare a riot and defend an area protesters previously occupied for weeks. Agitators setting fire to the construction of a new youth detention facility. Across the nation, marches that seem to begin peacefully being overshadowed by escalating violence. In Oakland, a fire set inside the Alameda courthouse. In Los Angeles, windows of a federal building smashed. Anger over a movement sparked by police brutality continuing to escalate into seething civil unrest. Gotti Schwartz, NBC News, Los Angeles. Today marks 100 days until the presidential election. That may feel like a lot of time or a little, depending on your perspective, but it promises to be a final stretch like never before. Andrea Mitchell now on the five key things that could determine the race. On this day in 2016, the Democrats were nominating Hillary Clinton and Tim Kaine. The next day, Donald Trump invited Russia to hack Clinton's emails. Russia, if you're listening. It was a wild race, but this campaign is unlike any other. The pandemic means crowd-free campaigning, no big conventions. After those empty seats in Tulsa, no more of the huge rallies President Trump was counting on. And Joe Biden, who loves campaigning, staying close to home. In 2016, the candidates made nearly 400 campaign stops in the final 100 days. Now, most events are virtual. The driving issue for many voters, the coronavirus. Biden's lead has only grown as the president is widely faulted for his handling of the pandemic. Is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or, or almost a cleaning? Biden seizing on the issue. Mr. President, please listen to your public health experts. The economy, always the president's best issue, now questionable, with 30 million Americans collecting unemployment. Mr. Trump also making law and order a campaign pillar, deploying federal forces into cities like Portland, using Black Lives Matter and race as a wedge issue. When people proudly had their Confederate flags, they're not talking about racism. They love their flag. It represents the South. It's basically an appeal to racism. It's an appeal um, uh, to um, to those who are who are worried, who are um, freaked out by the increasing diversity of this country. While the president has the advantage of incumbency, Joe Biden has Barack Obama. 
Something that I've always admired about you, Joe, is uh, you know, your willingness to listen and learn. In echoes of 2016, U.S. intelligence officials are now warning Russia, China, and Iran are already trying to hack the campaigns and influence social media, causing Democrats to sound alarms that the president is not doing enough to safeguard the election. Kate. We're back now with the tough decisions every parent and school employee has to make in the coming weeks, whether it's safe to go back to the classroom. Some teachers have already made up their minds and are now leaving the profession they love. Carrie Sanders has more on their difficult decisions. Across the country, some parents may demand schools reopen, but some teachers have decided going back to the classroom is a risk they're not willing to take. For me, it's a matter of life and death. Miami elementary school teacher Petrinia Dozer Washington has underlying medical conditions, including asthma. Coronavirus just forced an abrupt end to her career. How difficult has this decision been? I've been teaching for 38 years, and the decision to just not return at all was very difficult for me because I've been committed to teaching since I decided to go into the profession. A recent poll found one in five teachers say they're unlikely to go back to the classroom, fearing they'll get sick. Nine out of ten are worried about enforcing social distancing. Kids are kids. Kids are going to do what kids do. They're, they're messy by nature. They're social by nature. Um, keeping them six feet apart is, is, a, is a huge challenge. A challenge or impossible? Well, probably impossible. Second grade teacher Christina Kerfman also forced to retire. 28 years in a Hamilton, Virginia classroom, but no more because of her autoimmune disorder. As much as I love my job and love you know, the people that I work with and my students, to me, it, it wasn't worth the risk at all. A risk that the American Federation of Teachers estimates will cost $2.3 million per school for masks, hand sanitizers, equipment and staff to disinfect. The fear? Education already underfunded in this country will not meet the challenge. They are not remotely prepared. Heidi Hisrick resigned her job as a science teacher in Richmond, Indiana, after being told she could not teach from a safe distance over the Internet. How can these people figure out how to run a school during a pandemic safely with no additional funding? They've been handed an impossible task, and they're failing at it. Schools across America trying to figure out where it all goes from here and which teachers will even show up. Kerry Sanders, NBC News, Miami. So many of us talking about that. We're back in a moment with record temperatures in the Great Lakes and fears about how that could change the whole region. We're back with the heat wave baking the Midwest this weekend, and the Great Lakes are no longer such a great place to cool off. Water temperatures in the Great Lakes have reached record highs, and it's causing some real problems. Here's Kevin Tibbles. The largest body of fresh water on the planet, and this year the Great Lakes, all 94,000 square miles of them, are warmer. The water is warm and very nice. 6 to 11 degrees warmer to be exact, a balmy 71 on Lake Michigan today. It's actually quite warm. I might actually get in today. In Lakes Erie and Ontario, water temperatures are spiking like never before. The others, Michigan, Huron, and even mighty Superior, are much warmer much earlier in the summer season. We usually put this at the surface to measure temperature. 
Andrea Vanderwood is a doctor of oceanography who monitors this precious source of fresh water year-round. We had less ice cover this past winter. That still meant sun was getting into the top surface of the lake and warming the lake. Is this climate change? We don't know. On Lake Michigan here, we've had a record for temperature over 30 years. Somewhat of a snapshot of a climate change. Commercial fishing is a billion-dollar industry here, and this is prime salmon season. Dana Bonney has changed the way he fishes. They're down deeper, or we may have to get out further away from shoreline. Other changes, too. Record high water levels are causing serious erosion problems. From the air, Vanderwood uses a highly sensitive camera to monitor water safety for millions in the region. But she says this summer's warm temps should not be cause for alarm. Right now, I think the concern is minimal. Instead, folks should jump in and enjoy it. The temperatures are so high in the Great Lakes this year, you can really say, come on in, kids, the water's warm. In a summer of COVID and quarantine, how warm is the water? A warm place to escape to and cut loose with the whole family. Kevin Tibbles, NBC News, Grand Haven, Michigan. When we come back, a hospital, a painter, and the healing power of art. Finally, there's good news tonight about the power of an act of kindness from a total stranger. An artist in Los Angeles wanted to show his appreciation to healthcare workers in New York, so he created the perfect gifts. A special delivery from thousands of miles away. 1,800 paintings, one for every single person who works at Interfaith Medical Center. Prasanna Alston is the chief nursing officer. I was there when a truck arrived. It just reminds me of how others who weren't there with you, they were thinking of you. It really meant a lot. They're the work of Los Angeles artist Michael Giddis. Back in March, he watched as New York healthcare workers battled COVID-19. I also personally felt really powerless, powerless and frustrated. So he began to paint. I can't paint one for everyone everywhere, but I could paint one for everyone at, at one hospital. Wanting to honor frontline health care workers, especially those working in underserved communities, he did a search and found Interfaith, a nonprofit community hospital. He called his project Strangers to No One. Simple paintings, each one a single flower. If you love somebody, you give them a flower. For a month, Giddis painted, not with a brush, but with a syringe. At the hospital, mm. nurses and doctors, janitors and administrators wow. all received their own work of art. Sheila Arthur-Smith, an account representative, has worked at Interfaith for 35 years. She contracted coronavirus and spent eight days in the hospital back in March. They told me I had to fight. Her sister Patricia passed away from COVID-19 in April. I was devastated. For her, Giddis's painting is a symbol of her survival. Not a big portrait, but it represents a big part of what we're going through. And though they've never met, Interfaith staff feel deeply connected to Giddis. There's absolutely not one person I come across that don't love the painting. That love passed on from California to New York with each unique flower.
I just hope that everybody is reminded that, that they're important and that there are literally millions of people that love them. They are so important. That is NBC Nightly News on this Sunday. Lester Holt will be back with you tomorrow. I'm Kate Snow. For all of us here at NBC News, stay safe and have a good night. You've had all weekend to think about this, Eunice. So we're looking for big yep. time insight, analysis, uh, and, and to tell us what exactly was happening. But again, you'll probably only be telling us. <laughs> That's right. No, so over the weekend, there was a lot of color. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily optimistic, but there were people outside the consulate who were waving Chinese flags, taking selfies. There was um, a great police presence around the consulate as people were waiting to see uh, what the activity was going to be um, as uh, moving trucks uh, and, and diplomatic plated cars left the compound. And then, of course, today uh, was uh, particularly uh, sad uh, for the, the uh, consulate, I would imagine, because uh, it was the last time that uh, Old Glory was lowered um, at the consulate at dawn, and the staff had 72 hours to vacate the premises. Uh, this is the same amount of time that the Chinese had to had to clear everything out of the Houston consulate. The foreign ministry today said that this was a legitimate, um, a legitimate, um, and, and uh, not appropriate, but a legitimate and necessary response. I, I keep uh, forgetting this. The legitimate and necessary response to this. Um, and what was also interesting today was that the state media was playing video of um, black plastic bags and um, what it described as shredded paper on the U.S. consulate grounds. And it seemed to be suggesting that the way the Americans were reacting was very similar to what purportedly was a Chinese officials uh, burning documents in open trash bins in Houston. Uh, one way, though, that the Chinese have been trying to stress that they are different is that uh, they are saying that uh, from a tit for tat move, um, yes, they've taken over the um, the, the the Houston, uh, sorry, the, the Chengdu consulate, um, just as the Americans took over the um, Houston consulate. But one way in which the Chinese are different is that um, they went through the front door, whereas the uh, Americans uh, forced themselves through the back door in what the foreign ministry has described uh, as tantamount to burglary. And so the messaging that we're hearing. Um, in, you know, that's being sent to the public is that the Chinese are taking a higher ground compared to the Americans. Yep. All right. Uh, believable, uh, Eunice. <laughs> but I, I could give you some optimism. I know that you're always a little worried about where this relationship is going, just as I am. But yeah. there were two things that also that happened over the weekend. One was that the Justice Department said that uh, the Chinese researcher who uh, they suspect um, uh, fudged uh, fudged um, her association with the military to get a U.S. visa. She is now in custody. So that suggests that the Chinese are working with the Americans, at least on that case. And also 
the uh, phase one trade deal that uh, we've been talking about for for way too long um, actually dictates that the top trade negotiators have to have a discussion six months from the start of the trade deal. So that means August. So that means that at least uh, we'll have the two sides forced to speak to each other, which yeah. is better than not speaking at all, but I would think. It seems like it could be worse. I mean, given Pompeo's speech, I'm surprised that they haven't reacted more strongly to that to some extent. You know, it's like, uh, hey, hold oh, on. Oh, no, here. they definitely reacted strongly to Pompeo. But he is um, public enemy number one. Yeah, but didn't, didn't, but no punitive uh, they, uh, retaliation, right? Right. There's no punitive retaliation, but right now with they, they're moving tit for tat, right? So they're, they're looking at the consulate move and then they're moving on the consulate. Okay. And I think that you don't see a stronger reaction because at the end of the day, I, I, I don't think that the Chinese want this to escalate to the point where there is no other choice but war. And so they're being very careful about um, every, uh, every next step. Got it. In China, they're going back and forth, back and forth. They've been going back and forth since this pandemic started. Really, it started last year. Just what they're saying, anything. Now you got the American people struggling, kind of continuing their livelihood while they are back and forth. you might want to do 
is you could use just a mask and eye goggles and possibly gloves. Now, what you might want to do, if you can, would be to put something on that you can dispose of or wash after a class. The serious oh, wow. safety measures come as more families lose loved ones at Washington's National Cathedral. Joseph Alexander Tulloch. They pause for every life law. That's a lot of lies laws, man. I mean. But there are also daily reminders of hope. It is hope. Only thing they have to do is keep stuff shut down in June. Tonight, another COVID scare in Washington after a Republican congressman tested positive before he was supposed to travel to Texas with the president. Wow. Anthony Fauci is responding to the president's retweet of a video that falsely claimed there was a cure. Yeah, no cure. Kristen Welker. President Trump aiming to energize supporters in Texas where the polls are tight. But his trip was overshadowed by COVID. Texas Republican Congressman Louie Gohmert planning to travel on Air Force One with the president, tweeting that he has tested positive. I'm asymptomatic, but apparently I have the Wuhan virus. Gohmert, frequently seen without a mask, even for part of yesterday, today blamed mask wearing without any evidence. I can't help but wonder if by keeping a mask on and keeping it in place that if I might have uh, put uh, some germs, some virus, some of the virus onto the mask and breathed it in. It all comes as the president is digging in after retweeting a video of Doctors Monday promoting the controversial drug hydroxychloroquine and saying social distancing and wearing masks is unnecessary. The doctor at the forefront peddles in conspiracy theories. On MSNBC with Andrea Mitchell, top NIH doctor Anthony Fauci said studies show hydroxychloroquine is not effective at treating COVID. So when there's a video out there for a bunch of people spouting something that isn't true, the only recourse you have is to be very, very clear in presenting the scientific data that essentially contradicts that. Joe Biden excoriating the president today. The president Trump should stop tweeting and start doing something about it, damn it. And stop going Amen. around and talking about this crazy woman he talked about last night about who's an absolute disgrace. And Kristen joins me now. Kristen, tell us about this new fallout in wake of that congressman testing positive with the virus. What are you hearing? Well, that's right, Lester. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi tonight announcing a mask mandate on the House floor after Gomer tested positive. At least two lawmakers are planning to self-quarantine, and the Attorney General got tested for COVID after appearing at a hearing on Tuesday. Lester? All right, Kristen Walker at the White House. Thank you. Everybody at the White House said, sit at home. Y'all sit at home with no pay. Stay at home. The arrest of a protester last night by police in New York has struck a raw nerve as the Trump administration announced plans to deploy federal agents to more American cities. Our Gabe Gutierrez has the latest. 
The New York City police officers in plain clothes grabbed a young protester and forced her inside an unmarked van. When other bystanders rushed over, uniformed officers kept them away using bicycles as barriers. I think it was the wrong time and the wrong place to effectuate that arrest. The NYPD said the protester was wanted for damaging police cameras during five separate incidents around City Hall. But the way the arrest was handled is sparking outrage from other demonstrators. They actually snatched up in a, um, and took a, a, a woman that was a part of our march in the van and drove off, which initiated the aggression from our camp. The video is drawing comparisons to Portland, where federal agents in tactical gear took protesters into custody in unmarked vans earlier this month. Local officials had said the federal presence was escalating the violent clashes there. Today, Oregon's governor said the feds have agreed to withdraw from the area. And that would include this fence. The city is fining the federal government $500 every 15 minutes it remains in place. That's $48,000 a day. But the Trump administration says they will only pull back once local and state officials prove they can protect federal property. The Department of Homeland Security also announced today that it was sending federal agents, not tactical teams, to help fight crime in three more cities, Cleveland, Detroit, wow. and Milwaukee. Still, in a divided country, the arrest in New York is renewing a fierce debate about law enforcement tactics. Police officials here say some of the protesters have been assaulting officers, and it could have been more dangerous to go into the protest in uniform and try and make an arrest. Lester? All right, Katie Gutierrez, thank you. In Congress, four giants of the tech world were on the hot seat, including for the first time Amazon's Jeff Bezos. Their company is accused of having too much power and that that's hurting consumers. Here's Jolene Kent. The antitrust hearing was contentious from the start. Big tech's out to get conservatives. That's not a suspicion, that's not a hunch, that's a fact. Four of the most powerful tech CEOs appearing virtually. Congress investigating if their companies are too big. Simply put, they have too much power. Hmm? Founders would not bow before a king, nor should we bow before the emperors of the online economy. Billionaire Jeff Bezos from Amazon, the richest man in the world, testifying before Congress for the first time, facing repeated criticism over a Wall Street Journal report that Amazon uses information from small companies doing business on its site to develop competing products that are cheaper. Mr. Bezos, did Amazon ever access and use third-party seller data when making business decisions? I can't answer that question, yes or no. What I can tell you is we have a policy against using seller-specific data uh, to aid our private label business, uh, but I can't guarantee you that that policy has never been violated. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg preps on its acquisition of Instagram. In your own words, you purchased Instagram to neutralize it a competitive threat. Why shouldn't Instagram now be broken off into a separate company? Congressman, I, I think the FTC had all of these documents and reviewed this and unanimously voted at the time not to challenge the acquisition. And Google CEO Sundar Pichai questioned about the company's artificial intelligence lab in China. General Dunford says that your company is directly aiding the Chinese military. Congressman, uh, with respect, uh, we are not working with uh, the Chinese military. Congress aims to finish this investigation by the end of the year. Wow. In the tech community, there's skepticism. It'll lead to real change. Lester? 
All right, Jolene Kent, thanks. Tonight in Atlanta, a long line of mourners paying respects to Congressman John Lewis, arriving back in the district he represented for more than three decades. And Blaine Alexander is there. One final trip home for Congressman John Lewis. His procession weaving its way through Atlanta, the city he served for 33 years, leaving his undeniable footprint. Pausing at the walls, bearing his image, the streets bearing his name, and the final resting place of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who helped inspire Lewis's lifelong fight for civil rights. From 18 to 80, that's a good soldier. Former Atlanta mayor and civil rights icon Andrew Young was right there with them. John's eloquence was in being present at the scene of injustice and standing tall. That's why, under the gold dome of Georgia State Capitol, for Congressman Lewis, a hero's farewell. America and the state of Georgia will be forever stronger, freer, and more just because of Congressman John Lewis. Although the fight for liberty and equality continues, Congressman Lewis reminded us to be hopeful. Outside, hundreds wait their turn to say simply, thank you. The obligation is to keep his legacy going and to not let it die with him. What do you think his legacy will be? His legacy is really a stubborn determination and humility to fulfill the dream that he and Martin Luther King shared to help America live out the true meaning of her creeds. And we've just learned former President Obama will deliver the eulogy at the funeral held here tomorrow. Wow. Blaine Alexander, thank you. Tonight, investigators in a Phoenix suburb are trying to determine what caused a freight train carrying hazardous materials to derail and go up in flames while crossing a bridge in Tempe. A massive inferno sending smoke billowing into the air and partially collapsing that bridge. Officials say amazingly no one was hurt. Millions across the Caribbean are bracing for a dangerous tropical threat tonight. The storm is moving northwest right now and could impact Puerto Rico and the surrounding islands with high winds, heavy rain, life-threatening flash floods, and mudslides. Forecasters are warning the storm could approach Florida this weekend, and we will, of course, continue to watch it. In 60 seconds, the intriguing new hints about Joe Biden's potential running mate. What's driving speculation tonight? All right, we're back with new clues about who is in the mix as Joe Biden's potential running mate. It's a crucial decision coming within days. We get details from NBC's Andrea Mitchell. Joe Biden saying he's days away from choosing his running mate. I'm going to have a, a choice in the first week in August. Unaware this photo showed he was prepared to defend Senator Kamala Harris if asked. The note reading, do not hold grudges, despite her attack on his record on race in their first debate. Do you agree today that you were wrong to oppose busing in America? Then, no, do you agree? I did not oppose busing in America. Some Biden advisors argue Harris still can't be trusted, but he spoke glowingly of her when she dropped out. Biden has said there are four black women on this list. Among them, Congressional Black Caucus Chair Karen Bass. Is there anything you want to ask the congressman while she's here? <laughs> Joking aside, Bass is thought to be high on the list. Former National Security Advisor Susan Rice worked closely with Biden in the Obama White House, but has never run for office. Congresswoman Val Demings, a former Orlando police chief, also a contender, along with several others. 
Life's presidential choices sometimes help and can hurt. Think Sarah Palin. This time with the oldest candidate to take office if he's elected, voters could decide it's critical. Lester. Andrew Mitchell tonight in Washington. God, hmm. helping people save money for over 75 years. They've really stood the test of time, much like these majestic Rocky Mountains, which must be named after the... But then you the fine squirrel, Mr. Gecko, sir. Geico. Hmm. Washington thinks the fallout from COVID will be the most important issue this election season, but there's also a dire warning about the pandemic's devastating impact on children worldwide. With more on that, here's Richard Engel. While the global COVID death toll tonight tops 650,000, what's coming could be far worse. The World Food Program and three other UN agencies predict mass starvation because of COVID's disastrous economic impact. The UN agencies say the 140 million people around the world on the brink of starvation now could rise to a staggering 270 million this year. If we don't get a social safety net program out there immediately and providing food, you will see mass starvation famines of biblical proportions. David Beasley, the director of the World Food Program, says children are the hardest hit, with 10,000 more dying every month. In many countries, no school means no food, leaving kids with weakened immune systems. Which means they could be vulnerable, not just to COVID, malaria, diphtheria, cholera. And the crisis will spread beyond the developing world, the UN warns, as hungry people move to survive. Do you think COVID will lead to a new wave of mass migration coming toward the United States? Well, there's no question in my mind, you will see migration heading toward the U.S. border. The World Food Program is urgently calling for $4.9 billion to stop COVID-related hunger and famine. What a grim forecast. All right, Richard Engel, thank you. Up next, life on Mars, a new mission to find out. Finally, let's take a break from what's going on here on Earth. Tom Costello on the new mission mm -hmm. to Mars. Headed for Mars tomorrow, a new rover named Perseverance, and boy is it loaded. With cameras and probes and drills to collect soil and rock samples for a future trip to Earth. Even a microphone so we can all hear what Mars sounds like. But it's the tiny helicopter or drone that's getting the most attention. It'll fly just 15 feet off the ground, surveying the Martian landscape. We're shooting, hoping to be like the Wright Brothers moment, but on another planet at Mars. Yes, we're extraordinarily excited. The Mars 2020 mission is headed for a cold, dry crater once an ancient lake, where scientists hope to find signs that microbial life did or does exist. NASA Chief Jim Bridenstine. I'm not saying it was inhabited. I don't know. But I can tell you this. It looked a lot like Earth about three billion years ago. This mission also laid the groundwork for eventual human trips to Mars. Getting to Mars, obviously with humans, is very difficult. Surviving on Mars is very difficult. Getting back from Mars is very difficult. We often assign human qualities to our space probes, envious of the places they go. Tomorrow, Perseverance is headed to Mars, leaving us to wait and wonder. Tom Costello, NBC News, Washington. Exciting stuff. We wish you the best. That's Nightly News. I'm Lester Holt. Please take care of yourself and each other. Wow.
Hey, NBC News viewers, thanks for... Yes, I'm Good morning, y'all. Mm. Mm. Wow. Well.